Christmas Eve, Zed Parenting Radio. Christmas Eve, we're still here. We are still here. Mm-hmm. We'll be here for New Year's Eve next week, too, won't we? That's right. Never miss a show. Uh, Zen Parenting Radio, episode number 155. Um, you know what Zen Parenting Radio is, sweetie? It's a podcast. It's a discussion between a spiritual and emotional mom, that's you, and a logical and practical dad, that's me. We have three daughters, ages 6, 9, and 10. And our goal here, folks, is to give you the resources to become a better parent, but more importantly, to become a better you. It's to wake you up, right? It's don't you think? Awakening. Right, because we don't. nobody needs to become better. They already are fine right. the way that they are. And if they wake up and notice that, then they don't have to do much but just be themselves. What movie is this from? Pick up, pick up, pick up, pick up. Pick up, pick okay. up, pick up, pick up. Um, that's the cable guy. Oh, very good. Thank you. Kind of a dark comedy. Pick up, pick up, pick up. Um, the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. Yep. That's my motto. Daniel Siegel. Also my mantra. Yes. Do you know I don't know the difference between a mantra and a motto? Mm, you, you want me to tell you? Sure. Or my definition. I think sure. there go, might go be many. Um, motto is like kind of words that you live by, and a mantra is, are words or a sound that keep you focused while you are meditating. Ah. So what if like, you don't meditate, does that mean you can't have a mantra? No, but remember, widen your definition of meditation because it's not just about sitting on a pillow. You, you widen it. You widen it. I'm sick of widening my I, interpretation. I've already of- widened it. So it's, you know, when you're sitting there and you, you're focusing on something to kind of keep your brain calm, like everything's okay, I am love, that's a mantra. Gotcha. Thank you. Um, so topics this week, the movie Frozen. Yes. Uh, which we're going to spin into a discussion of self-acceptance. Self-awareness, fear. self-acceptance, fear. We're going to do a um, quote from Thich Nhat. Yeah. Um, we're going to close out the show from our friend that we just met, Ben Martin. Mm-hmm. And he did a blog about how we as parents speak to children in not such a nice way yeah. and how it's a little messed up because we would never speak that way to other adults that way. I think I think we talked about his blog on a previous show, did we not? No, this is the first time. Oh, we never talked so about it. So we'll post it in the show oh, notes. Oh, good. But, uh, and Ben Martin is also a blogger on was, the Good Men Project. Yeah. So all of it will be in the show notes. And we're going to close the show with that. And then I'm also going to give a one-minute clip about next Friday's Conversations with People We Love show. So this Friday or next Friday? This Friday. So the date on that is December... 27th? Yeah, I think the 27th. Does that sound right? Yeah, so it's going to be our Conversations with People We Love show. Let me pull up my handy Google Calendar. Um, I love my Google Calendar. What would we do without Google Calendar? I would miss things. We used to have the things on the refrigerator... Totally. The uh, magnet board. The magnet board board Mm -hmm. with a calendar. Mm -hmm. Awful. Awful. It was what we had at the time. (laughs) It was fine. I mean, it helped, but it wasn't quite as helpful. The reason it wasn't helpful was the uh, putting things in months ahead of time Mm -hmm. because we usually had two or three months on the fridge. Mm -hmm. But like if someone's like, can you do this in March and it was only November, it was hard to keep track of that. I have friends who uh, still go old school and have a written calendar and I can't imagine going back to that. Well, that's because a lot of our life now, not only our girls' lives are so, you know, they have meetings that are already scheduled or sporting events that are already scheduled for 2014. Our lives, a lot of things we do are scheduled way out. You know, like we have something that we're doing six months from now. Yeah, I already so have a, a monthly calendar is not going to help. No. I mean, there's no, well, we would never, how would we keep it together? I mean, I guess what they would say is they'd use their planner and write it in their planner. I guess I just feel like it's a something that could get easily lost. Public service announcement. If you're not using Google Calendar or something similar to it, 
you are driving yourself mad unnecessarily. Yeah. Well, and also the the thing that Todd and I can access Google ca- Calendar, both of us can access the same calendar from wherever we are. Exactly. Because there's also an app on your phone. So if you're somewhere and you're trying to do an appointment, you know, Todd travels for work, so I have to be really thoughtful about it. I can pull it up and pull that date and say, no, Todd's going to be in Texas. I think I'm going to bring back Tournament of Bad at the, oh, we'll do it right before the Ben Martin thing. Okay. So uh, first I want to talk about our first partner, and that's Helping Hands Maid Services. Yep. Uh, they help clean our house once a month, and they're amazing at what they do. And their number is 630-530-1324, so make sure you give them a call. Do a post-party uh, cleanup. Yeah, that's when you really need it. Save yourself some time. Yeah. So helpinghandsmadeservices.com. So you want to talk about Frozen. I do. Frozen's a movie that I fell asleep to. <laughs> Here's that's, the deal. That's so shocking. When I'm 75 years old, oh my gosh. I just said this to my kids. Okay. And I start like falling asleep while we're doing stuff. All we have to say is, Dad, you used to fall asleep when you were 38, too. I know I'm right. 41 now, but I just fall asleep. I a know. Lot. It's, so you fall I'm, asleep in front of the TV, too. When I'm old, it doesn't mean that I'm getting old because I'm old now. I'm falling asleep in the middle of places I shouldn't be falling asleep. I think you get excited to go to a movie with the girls because then you know you can sleep. That's nap time. I know. That's. I think you're excited for very different reasons than I am. Well, and it's usually because after we, we just uh, finished eating, usually, going into a movie, and I get tired when I'm done eating. I know. And the girls and I, I it's not that I, I have fallen asleep in two movies in my life, mm-hmm. and they were so bad that it was like, they were so hard to sit through. Any given Sunday, mm-hmm. brutal. And Rango. Yeah. I didn't get Rango. I was just thirsty the whole time. I did, he was in the desert, and I was just, like, <laughs> miserable and thirsty, and it wasn't funny, and I don't get it. How many movies have you walked out on? I've never walked one. out on You and I walked out on one movie together. No, um, yes, we did. No, we didn't. I'm, uh, you're, I'm losing it because I no, remember exactly we where we were sitting. I just like saying, no, we didn't. Oh, my gosh, we did. Oh, we left during Rachel getting married because I got sick to my stomach. Yeah, that's not walking out. That's okay. me getting frustrated because you had a headache. No, I was sick to my stomach. I was nauseous. Oh. She was hard for me to take. Sweetie, that Anne Hathaway. Sweetie feels other people's feelings. <laughs> oh my god, that movie! It, well, and but the thing is, is there are many times that I can. I still haven't seen the end of that movie. I mean, I can tolerate. The, I mean, I've seen Schindler's List. I mean, it's not like I've and movies like that. It's not like I pick up everybody's stuff. But there was something about that movie that was so real, and it really made me nauseous. Because once I got home, I was 100% fine. I know. I was like, get me out of here, that man. It's frustrating to me. Yeah, why pick up people's stuff that you don't want to pick up? I just, I didn't find I'm, any redeeming. I created the space for you, sweetie, to be sick, but I was secret, annoyed. secretly annoyed. You did watch the end, though, when it came on DVD, no, right? I have oh, no never, idea what happened. no idea? Mm, sorry about that. That's all right. See, be the good girl you always have to be. Conceal, don't feel, don't let them know. Well, now they know. Let it go, let it go. Can't hold it back anymore. Let it go, let it go. For me to stop that. I know it's so beautiful. All right, that's good enough. So, a few things about this movie, Frozen. 
um, that I was going to write about this, and maybe I still will. But I, when Todd said what we were going to talk about, I thought this is the most. This is very current. A Disney movie. Todd went while we were uh, in Seattle over right? Thanksgiving, and he fell asleep. I just went with the girls a few days ago because I didn't go that first time. And it's funny because this song, my daughter Cameron probably like a week and a half ago, said, I want to play something on your phone. You're, you're going to love it. Mm-hmm. And so I listened to it, and I, I said, tell me what's going on in the movie at this part, because it, it was it was so moving to me. And first of all, this is uh, the woman who sings it. I always say her name wrong. Adina? Adina, Adina. Menzel. It, it's one or the other, and I always say it wrong. But she is um, the original Alphaba in Wicked, which is a big family favorite um, here in the Adams house. And so already her voice is very moving to me because she's Alphaba. But her character in the movie is a girl named Elsa. And it's really what the whole movie is about. Yet I think they kind of shift the focus to her sister, Anna, hmm. who is the princess. Right. Okay. Uh, El- Elsa is who's supposed to become the queen. And I believe the movie was based off of the snow queen or the snow princess. I can't remember. doesn't matter. My point is is that this is Elsa's movie, and right. I think a lot of people focus on it's Anna because she's looking for love, and she meets the two men, and she's on the adventure. But this is total. when I watch this movie, I'm like, this is Elsa's movie. Why? Because she has to – she learns to accept herself, and that's everything we talk about on this show. And this is just one of these perfect movies, um, somewhat metaphorical but somewhat literal too, where she's told when she's young, she has these powers in her hands and she can create snow and ice. And when she's young, her parents are kind of cool with it. They're like, you know, it is what it is. But then when someone gets hurt, um, they tell her to stop, Mm. that you have to never let that out again. I've never seen Edward Scissorhands, but is there a little theme? Very similar. Okay. And don't you think, Todd, this is the thing about life is that I think that most movies in some way or another are trying to get to that point. It's all about love and self-acceptance. I think the majority of great movies – it, you know, minus a few where they go the other way. Like, for example, The Godfather. Mm-hmm. Michael went the other way. Yeah. Don't you think? Just a little bit. Just Well, he was an example of he knew who he was. He wasn't a Corleone at heart, meaning right. he did not want to hurt, and he could not hold on to he's, himself. He succumbed to the pressure or the uh, – what's the word? The the, the legacy. Yeah. I mean he didn't have – same with Tony Soprano. I mean, the temptation. The temptation. And you know, there's so many characters that it's either they're – they either find themselves and recognize who they are and, and take that Re- into the redemption. world. Or the story is all about them losing it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's – you know, so – in this movie, you know, as from this song, I'm not really ruining anything because this is, you know, the middle of the movie when she sings this. She can't hold her power in, just like none of us can stop being who we are. Even if our parents ask us to stop being who we are, even if we have been learning from society that something about us is wrong or something is – because, you know, definitely the people are afraid of her when they find that she has these powers – um, she can't hold it in. Right. And when she has that epiphany and takes off on her own, she's free. Right. Now, the interesting thing, though, is the reason I love that that's in the middle of the movie, that powerful song, which we'll post actually on our show notes, The because they actually, there's a YouTube clip of that whole scene. Yeah, yeah, I was watching it. You were watching it. Yeah. So it's beautiful. 
Well, that's only the middle of the movie because not only does Elsa have to, so now she's reached self-acceptance, right? Now she has to learn how to use it in the world. After after accepting herself as she is. Exactly. And that's the many layers of life is that it's one thing to know who you are and recognize it. Now, how are you going to use that in the world? Because you can't just, you have to learn how to be civilized and right. be in a society but still own who you are. And right. that's really what the rest of the movie is about, right. is about um, is going back and recognizing that if somebody loves you and, and when you recognize that someone accepts you, it's a lot easier to do. Well, here's my, I just wrote this down. You said, none of us can stop being who we are. But I think what we talk about a lot on the show is that most of us end up being who we are not. For sure. Like so, Michael Corleone. So I would guess I would disagree with you. I would say the whole purpose of our podcast is to remind people of who they are, but most of us get distracted with life and worry and and pressure and stress and money and everything else. So I think- Well, let me reframe then, because I know exactly what you're saying. You're saying that I can, I'm saying you just can't stop being who you are and therefore everybody's being who they are. Right. No. The, the, the hole that many people feel in their lives when they look around and they say- Hole, H-O-L-E. Yeah. Not, H-O- not being whole. Not, not whole. yet. Right. H-O-L-E, there are many people, many women who I've worked with who they they love their kids, they love their husband, they have maybe a job they, they love or they love being a stay-at-home mom and they're in their home and they think they have everything that they were told would make them happy yet they've got this huge hole, mm-hmm. H-O-L-E. Mm-hmm. That huge hole is that part of themselves that they have pushed away. Right. Maybe if it, you know, again, in Frozen, it's metaphorical as powers, even though some people have some maybe not powers that they bring ice out of their hands, but a lot of people have psychic or um, clairvoyant powers that they've pushed away. A lot of metaphysical, a lot of metaphysical powers that they have that scare them. Right. Even though that it's just exactly how they were born. Right. right? Um, So, you know, they've pushed these things away and because they aren't speaking their truth about who they are or what they believe. And it may show up in things like, you know, small things like, you know, you know, politics, you're in a family who is supposed to be conservative, but you have liberal liberal views, or you live in a town that believes you have to have this car, this, and you don't think that's important, but you're doing it because you think you're supposed to keep up. Keeping up with the Joneses. Keeping up with the Joneses. There are are pieces of us, or we're doing a job that doesn't feel right, that we feel like we're hurting people or not helping people, and but we're going to work and we're saying to ourselves, but I have to do this to survive. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I mean by we can't stop being who we are is the pain we feel. Mm-hmm. or the whole we feel is the fact that we are not owning who we are. Right. And I, I actually have a story. Can Please. I tell the story? Uh, before you tell that story, sure. um, it's close to Christmas. It's- this place reminds you of Santa's workshop, except it smells like mushrooms and everyone looks like they want to hurt me. <laughs> Why are you smiling like that? I just like to smile. Smiling's my favorite. Make work your favorite. That's your favorite, okay? Okay. Work is your new favorite. Fine. Okay, people, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming to town. Santa! Oh, my God! <laughs> Santa here? I know him. I know him. Tell your story. Make, make, make work your favorite. Make, I know. We love um, that guy. Okay, so my story is this, is... Um, one time when I went through a really bad breakup in my 20s, I remember walking out the door of this person's house and I got in my car. And please don't use any names, Todd. I know who you're talking Just about. Just don't use any names, okay? 
Um, let's call him Ralph. Let's just not call him anything and just let me, you know. But I remember getting in my car and I was obviously very upset and just felt like everything had fallen apart because I'd been trying to hold things up for so long. And then I had this, even though I was still sad and grieving, I had this like huge awareness where I was like, I can do anything I want now. Because it was one of those relationships where someone was telling me what to do and who to be. And I like had this Alpha Phi sweatshirt, that's my sorority, sitting next to me that I was never supposed to wear because it was ugly. And I just like put it on Mm. and I turned up this song that just wasn't cool enough mm-hmm. um, and just played it really loud and just had one of these like I think I've had a million of these moments in my life but it's just one of those where it was like this song right. where it was like you can't not you know you're free now right you can stop pretending to be something you're not and it was a very weird mix of complete joy and freedom and grief at the same time well and it's one of those things where you have to get low to get high you probably yes. wouldn't be able to have that that joyful sense of freedom, unless you knew what it was like um, with somebody telling you what to be or who to be, what to do or who to be. They, you cannot so, see the stars without darkness. And in that sense, this person was a teacher of yours, one of my best. Yeah, and that's the thing is, there's no animosity or anger or or anything that I'm even holding on to because it was all perfect. Mm-hmm. And I can say that now in hindsight. Now, what's interesting about what you said is that doesn't mean, and this is getting into a little off track, but as far as forgiveness goes and all that, that doesn't mean that you're going to call the person up. Just because he was your best teacher doesn't mean that he's part of your life no, anymore. No, and, and I don't and, need him in my life. It, that season has passed. But I think we uh, we get confused on that. Yes. Like, how can I except that yeah, I don't want this person to be in my life. Right. This person can never be in your life ever again, and yet he he could still be your best teacher ever. Well, and that's the best part of forgiveness. You and I have talked about forgiveness on this show a lot, and the gist of it is is it's not about them. Mm-hmm. It's got nothing to do with them. You never need to see them again. You never need to invite them over or even have words with them again. The forgiveness is from within. Right. And when you forgive, you have love and compassion and understanding for why everything occurred. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't make it right or wrong. We got to get away from those words where everything has to be so, you know, perfectly laid out and clear for us. It's more about, did I get something out of that? You bet I did. And that was one of many experiences, meaning I love that you said you got to go low to get high is I love that concept of, you know, you can't see stars without the dark because some of my most deepest like epiphanies have come from life challenges, of course, and there's been many. And in that, I have been so low and at the same time been able to feel real joy simultaneously. And people who have lost a loved one, you may know what I mean mm. when a family member is passing and there's so much joy. Right. Things that you and I have experienced. Um, when you, you know, if a child is sick mm-hmm. and, you know, you you recognize you want to be there with them that this is it, this mm-hmm. is your life, you know, or a parent, um, you know, those are the kind of things that we, we walk around being so afraid of. Well, what's interesting is when you look most of the time, if you're really kind of, I don't know, this is going to come out sounding bad, but enlightened, you can look back on these dark days and look at it as a learning experience, Absolutely. a teachable moment and all that. Would the goal possibly be to, when you're actually in the dark times, Just in the dark it. days, yeah. can you, within that exact same moment, be happy about it because you know that something's going to come out of it or no? I don't even go there. Meaning I don't, I don't, you know, to say to people, everything's happens for a reason. You're going to be fine. That is, you remember the Brene Brown clip that that's gone viral about mm. how to be empathetic 
And that the worst thing, it's this Brene Brown clip that someone put with a cartoon. Oh, yeah. We'll post that. Too. Yeah. And it's basically the whole gist of it is how to be empathetic with someone. And when someone is struggling, and, and when I'm saying with someone, it can be with yourself, too. You're just struggling. And you don't want to hear why you should be happy and shouldn't be struggling. You don't want to hear the, um, yeah, but mm-hmm. you have mm-hmm. other things in your life. You're not there. You just want someone to go, in using her words, go down into that dark place with you, not take it on for you, but hold your hand. My easiest experience with that, as far as our marriage goes, is when you had two miscarriages. Yeah. Um, you know, I was a much smarter husband the second time than the first time, because the first time I wanted you to appreciate what we had. I wanted you to get over it because I was uncomfortable. Because that's the key right there, Todd, is, is you, you know, you're saying, I wanted you, I wanted you. You were doing that for you. Yes. Not for me. Right. right. I needed to get outside of my... I, I I wanted to remove my own discomfort. Yes. And I wanted to tell you that this was meant to be. It was supposed to happen. The baby wasn't supposed to be healthy and all these things that were 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 supposed to make you feel better and it didn't do any of those things. As a matter of fact, it it backlashed the other way and you're just like, "Listen, just let me be sad." Well, you wanted you wanted to like leapfrog over the pain. Yes. And and you're not yeah. alone. I don't want to focus just on Todd. Many of us will be having pain mm. and we'll say, "Well, wait a second, but I have this and I have this and I have this and and I can have a drink and I can have a cigarette and I can do this and I can make myself happy. I don't have to feel it." Mm. And here's the thing, you have to go through it. Mm. And and when I say go through it, it feels terrifying. Mm-hmm. But that's what I'm talking about. In the midst of pain, there are there's light. <clears throat> Excuse me. In the midst of pain, you feel yourself. Mm-hmm. And so if we jump over, this is just like the Louis C.K. thing, yeah. saying that people are unable to sit in that discomfort. They're so terrified of that feeling. You know what I call that feeling for me what? is um, uh, I call it, um, I'm losing it right now, discomfort. And I know that sounds simple, and it's like, oh, great word, Kathy. But why I say that is because I like to be comfortable in many ways in my life, you know, and what I wear and what I do and what I say. And when I get into discomfort, I want to get out of it really fast. And when I start to get uncomfortable, I realize that instead of trying to move through it fast, I need to look at it. Maybe it's not even a true thing. Maybe, and and I'm sorry if this this sounds too general for people, but... I just need to meditate on it. I need to sit in it because sometimes there's an untruth underneath it. Mm-hmm. There's something that I learned as a child that is no longer true or there's a fear that doesn't exist. And once I look at it and realize that, the discomfort can be released. Or if it's very real and I can be present with it, it's not so scary. Mm-hmm. Then it doesn't have as much power right. because it has a lot more power when you push it away. Right. So does that make sense? It does. It does. Well, I mean, what you resist persist. Exactly. And I try to, you know, I'm completely guilty of this and I don't even know if I'm any better at it, but whenever there is a possibility of experiencing emotional pain, I do tend to look at the bright side without looking at the darkness that is in front of me. I got a good example because it's so small and it's not going to trigger us in any way, I don't think. An article just came out in Elmhurst last week. Um, It's about the Elmhurst Wellness Team, which is a group that Todd and I belong to. And it came out in an Elmhurst magazine, a local magazine, and they did an article about the Elmhurst Wellness Team. And it's a wonderful article. Everything is good, but they... They misrepresented Todd and called him Don in the article. I love that name. I know Don, which I'm like, we really have to make that stick that he's Don. Don Adams. But when I first looked at it, my initial thought was and feeling was I was um, 
not bummed, what's the word, disappointed mm-hmm. or uncomfortable right. because Tad works so hard on this and he's he's even the president of the Elmhurst Wellness Team. Oh, yeah. And he, I think because I write and I have a blog and sometimes I get more um, recognition mm-hmm. than Tad does and he does so much work. And to, I had that moment of, man, this sucks. And so I said to Tad, you know, this is such a bummer. And you were like, no, it's no big deal. It doesn't mean anything, blah, blah, blah. And I know you didn't feel pain because mm-hmm. of it, but, and that's why I'm bringing this example right, up because right, it's right. non-triggering. But it's okay to be like, yeah, that stinks. Yeah, and I, I, it's it's a recent example, and it's not a bad one. I just feel like, you know, I think of don't sweat the small stuff. Right, and that's the thing. But here's the thing. The don't sweat the small stuff means feel it, look at it, and then move on. It doesn't mean and don't. I think I don't think it was even worth looking at it it's a silly magazine article you're right big whoop you're right meaning that once i had the feeling you know it was but easy having to said that i can of. justify my way out of a lot of different things so even if it wasn't so small as this magazine article but something larger i am guilty of moving past it without even looking at it right so that is and you know and i don't know how i'm going to get through that but i just have to at least admit to it first. Yeah, I remember some of our big talks from like six or seven years ago where you, the first time you said to me, that person hurt my feelings. Mm. And oh my gosh, like it was huge. Well, it's kind of like in Pretty Woman, the movie, Richard Gere is with Julia Roberts and he says, I was very angry with my father. Yes. And he talks about how it took months and months or years to of even therapy say that. to even say that. Yes, so. because we don't want to feel the discomfort. So instead of you know, there's a lot of people that walk around who say, I just let everything roll off my back. I'm so easygoing. And there are many people who are easygoing, but if you're easygoing from an enlightened way, mm. meaning you feel feelings, you see it, but then you recognize that maybe it's not that big of a deal for you and you move on. But jumping over feelings is not rolling off your back. Here's it's the pushing deal. it away. I just, I just had a beer with my buddy, Steve, and we talked exactly about this. And it's okay to let things roll off your back, but if it's to your detriment right. to not look at it, then it's not then you know, it's not worth it. You need to look at it. So sometimes it's not that big of a deal or it doesn't affect you that much. But if it is affecting you and it's too um and if I disregard it at my own expense yes. and hurts me because of it, yes. then that is a signal that I got some work to do. And th- to take it even deeper level than that, when something triggers you or when some emotional thing comes up, that is an opportunity for healing always. Meaning that issue right there in front of you, like we'll use, again, we'll use like the magazine is dumb. You know, that issue may not bother you in a big way. You right. may be like, it's just a magazine. It's not a big deal. But maybe in your history, you didn't get represented mm-hmm. in many ways. Maybe you weren't heard. Maybe people didn't get your name right. Maybe you weren't seen. And so if it does trigger anything in you and you can look back and start to look at that and acknowledge that it's not the magazine, it's just another example of mm-hmm. some deep-seated thing mm-hmm. that you don't want to feel. That's what I find the most is that really the things that are happening in present time aren't the issue. Right. It's the healing of the things from our past that we need to do. That has crept into that the present moment. That has crept into the present moment. Mm-hmm. It, for example, um, that, and when I say crept in the present moment, it's always alive in us. Right. We are still, I tell my college kids this all the time, and I've probably said this on the show a million times, every age you've been in your life, 
all of those people still exist in you. Right. Your body is different. Your cells have turned over. You have life experience. You are more mature. But that seven-year-old that got hurt still lives in you. Right. That 13-year-old that was blown off still lives in you. Right. That 17-year-old that got her heart broken or his heart broken still lives. And so there's things that trigger that person. Right. Maybe not you as the 42-year-old person. So every time we look at an experience in present time, it helps us. And this is, I wanted to uh, offer this quote that um, I saw on Thich Nhat Hanh's page yesterday. And I had heard it before because he talked about it. Um, For those of you who don't know, who oh, is Thich Nhat Hanh? Thich Nhat Hanh is a Zen Buddhist monk, and he is a teacher um, who, he's uh, from Vietnam, correct? Did correct. I already say a Vietnam yeah. Vietnamese? And he is probably one of the best teachers of mindfulness mm-hmm. and of peaceful living. Okay. Um, one of Todd, my favorite books is something he wrote called Peace is Every Step. He's got several books, but that one is just really... Uh, and the beautiful part about that book is that he, he doesn't have a really good command on the English language, so it's simple words, Yeah, very easy simple language. I love that book. So, so Thich Nhat Hanh is someone you definitely want to... If you you know appreciate mindfulness, it's definitely someone you want to follow. But he he had a sit down with Oprah Winfrey a few years ago, you know, where they talked about. I think it was a Super Soul Sunday. But anyway, his quote was, "It's like." Um, so they were talking about emotions. It's like a mother when the baby is crying, she picks up the baby and she holds the baby tenderly in her arms. Your pain, your anxiety is your baby. You have to take care of it. You have to go back to yourself. You have to recognize the suffering in you, embrace your suffering, and then you get relief. And when we talk about self-love, that's what we mean. It's not about getting a manicure, even though that can help. It's about when you feel angry, look at that. Talk to that child. Listen. Don't talk to that child. Listen to that child inside of you. Mm -hmm. Listen, because if there's a pain in you, it's something that's trying to heal itself. And that's the way that I have learned to look at pain differently. I don't like pain. I don't wish for pain. Don't get me wrong. I don't ask the universe for pain. I've way, you know, moved beyond that. But when pain comes in, I know I have to sit with it. What is this? You know? I do. So that's the gist. Sweetie's going deep on me today. Yeah. But I it's am. good. Okay. Can Tree you pass maple syrup, please? <laughs> I, I didn't put it. Spaghetti. You know what? I think I have something. You like sugar, huh? Syrup on a spaghetti. Is there sugar in syrup? Yes. Then yes. (laughs) I talked through that line, sorry. I'm singing. I'm in a store and I'm singing. I'm in a store and I'm singing. There's no singing in the North Pole. Yes, there is. No, it's not. We sing all the time. No, it's not. Especially when we make toys. <laughs> um, so you got to watch Elf. That's what the all buddy. is from. This um, is Buddy. So What's your I favorite I feel color? like we have a lot of different things to cover because we're doing our uh, – we're going to play the uh, good chunk of that interview we did with Ben uh, at the end of the show. But we uh, this Friday we have a Conversations with People We Love episode going up. And it's with a friend of mine named Josh Becker. And I'm going to play a quick minute of it. And to set it up, uh, this one-minute clip is uh, we were talking about if how to for the for the wives because it's all about you know Josh works with men and men men's groups and things like that. How do we how do the wives or how do the women um, create an environment to make it easy for men to be emotional? Okay, you got it. So that's the best setup I can do. 
I, I think it starts with um, with women helping to uh, create or facilitate a safe environment for the man, knowing that it's safe for him to express whatever it is he's ex- he needs to express, mm-hmm. um, letting him know that um, if you cry around me, it's okay, mm-hmm. and I won't think any any less, less of you. Um, I, I, I think safety is a uh, safety and trust is a very um, tender uh, and sensitive topic for men. Um, there's a lot of safety issues, mm-hmm. and I th- men need to know first that they're safe. the The reason that the reason that um, we tend to either get really quiet about things or blow up about things is because there's that lack of safety. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that to me that's the first step. Um, so maybe, maybe I'll. Uh, there's more, as you mentioned, right. minute, but I, I, I think I think that that's really helpful. That'll at least allow the man to know that he can open up. There you go. Can I say something about that? Sure. I think what's what we need to understand is when Josh is talking about emotional safety, that he's talking about it in the very literal way. Like if a man cries or gets you know upset about something, that a woman can stand there and allow that to be and not feel like they need to fix it. You know, it, it just allow him to have a safe space. Right. But I also think, like I talk to a lot of women who will talk about things like manipulating their husband or tricking their husband or doing things behind their husband's back. And that's also an issue of safety is that if your husband ever finds out about those things or if he knows that you do those things, he's going to be less likely to feel safe emotionally if in everyday life you're doing things to kind of quote unquote trick him. Um, And I want to be clear about that because I, I, again, I've worked with a lot of women and they say, well, that's just what I have to do to get what I need. Or that's the way our relationship is, is somebody. And I I always say, somebody has got to make a change first. And I hope that it goes back and forth naturally and evenly. But if we really want, our significant others to open up and be real, we have to be real in every aspect. Yeah, I hear you. So that's a really, um, I thought it, I thought the interview went very well. We're going to put it up this Friday, whatever that date is, the 27th or whatever it is. So, And just Todd didn't introduce, Josh is a, a writer, he's a blogger, and he also is a podcast host of a, uh, a podcast called I Simply Am. And he also does Breakthrough for Men. Um, so he is a, what would you call him? I don't know. He's an he, advocate for men. Yes, very. That's a that's a good description. Okay. And um, so I was going to say something else um, about him, but I don't remember what you it was. said. It's going oh, up I on steal. Time. I steal all of his good ideas. He has a lot of good ideas as far as how we introduce the show. All his good ideas, I steal from him. And I always say and when put Todd it into our own show. When Todd steals them, I said, "Did you tell Josh?" And he said, "Oh yeah, yeah." I that's what I do. I tell people I'm going to steal something. <laughs> that way, I don't feel as bad about it. So um, now we're going to. Um, play this uh, interview that we have with Ben Martin. He wrote a blog called Why Aren't We Rude to Grownups the Way We Are Rude to Kids? Mm. And it's a powerful message that he has, and uh, I just came across it, and I thought it was really good. So we're going to play this interview, and then we're going to close the show on the other side. Nice. You all right with that? Sure. So here we go. And I do the same thing all the time with my own kids. And and this is you know coming from, from somebody who's you know taken a, a – a very conscientious approach to my parenting, but I find myself, you know, every day being impatient with little things that, that I would not necessarily voice with an, with another adult. But when it's, when it's kids, if they're doing something, um, 
you know, being silly at a time that maybe it's not the best time to be silly or uh, daydreaming when they need to be paying attention to, to doing something specific. Um, if it were an adult that did that, I, I would either, uh, let's, let's say it's, that it's my wife. I would certainly use a, a much nicer tone of voice. I'd say, darling, we gotta, we gotta go ahead and do this now. Right. But when, it, when it's kids, it's so easy for adults to slip into the, uh, sort of the tone of voice of impatience and exasperation. And, uh, so as I, as I thought more about that and, and, and the the ways in which I'd seen it, it really occurred to me that kids hear these types of tones of voice all the time, every day, and uh, and and surely we can do better as adults. Well, and you know, Ben, the reason that Todd and I both loved your blog for a lot of reasons, but just to have that awareness, you know, where we recognize, because sometimes we don't even recognize ourselves. Like, I love that you noticed that, you know, these people were making these choices or they were just subconsciously or unconsciously having these impatient responses and that within them you recognized yourself. Because I think that that is so true for Todd and I too, where when I notice you know, other people being impatient with kids, you know, of course, we're all human beings. So we may have a judgment um, of, oh, they shouldn't be doing that. But I, it, instead of looking at them and pointing the finger at them, I always try and take that back to myself and say, now, how do I respond in those situations? Maybe I say similar things and I'm unaware. So I think what is so great about what you wrote is it just brings a great amount of awareness, obviously, because um, we didn't tell you this yet, but this showed up on my Facebook newsfeed about five times from different people who I work with or different podcaster or podcasters or different social workers that I work with who loved it. So I don't know what your response was to this um, blog, but in Todd and my world, it went a little viral. <laughs> so oh. it, yeah, so it resonated very much. Um, and so did, did you find that? Did you find that, you know, you kind of said this already, but that it just allowed you to kind of look at yourself and say, why do I, why do I get impatient? And why as a society do we think it's okay to be this way with kids? Yes, absolutely. That's, um, it, and the whole reason that I, that I began blogging when I, when I uh, returned to staying at home was that I, I wanted to sort of force myself to take a, a, a very conscious approach to, to what I did as a parent. Uh, and I, and for me, I find that writing really helps me to, to organize my thoughts in that, in that way. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm certainly happy if it was helpful to other people as well. Well, Ben, I'm looking at, uh, towards the end of your blog, you come up with this, uh, fake scenario called grown up man. And I'm wondering, because I thought this was kind of funny and a good way of, of, uh, animating or, or exemplifying or explaining what it is that you were trying to get across. So who's grown up man? Uh, well, in my head, it was, as I as I wrote it, I was picturing myself. Um, you know, we we live in, like I said, just outside of Boston. It's a very urban area, and we, uh, I, my wife has a car, but she uses it to go to work. But when I'm taking the kids around town for various appointments or errands and that sort of thing, we take public transit. And it's I, I certainly could picture myself uh, having done something exactly like this, where we'll be you know, waiting to get on the, on the train. And, uh, you know, especially my, my, my son, my seven-year-old is a lot more, uh, daydreamy, uh, than, than his older sister. And I, and I can just see myself, uh, as we stand there and he's looking at a, you know, a, a squirrel that's running by saying, come on, Steven, what are you doing? Get on the bus or something like that. And, uh, just realized, 
that if there were some adult that I was with and I were to use that tone of voice, that it would it would come across as as thoroughly inappropriate to anybody that heard it. Um, and that's 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 sort of what I was picturing with that. Well, and and I think that that is exactly what captures the essence of why I connected with this as much as I did. In that that we as parents, as older people, think that we have permission to um, use the tones of voices that you're talking about, or the words, the choice of words, because they're younger and because they're smaller, and because we have a larger physical presence, that it's okay. But if you do that on the subway to some lady who's daydreaming, you would never do that. And I just think that that's a wonderful reminder for Kathy and I and the rest of our listeners. Well, and and I want to add to that that this is something that I think is so important. Like you said, Ben, about you know becoming more conscious of our parenting or becoming more aware of ourselves is maybe we again everybody has a different uh, you know childhood and history, but maybe we grew up with that, or the adults in our lives maybe talked down to us in a way, or maybe we noticed that in society, and it wasn't necessarily an abusive thing, but maybe we just got the message somehow that it's okay for adults to talk this way, and therefore we're going to do this to our kids, but. I think that's what we try and talk about on this show is we have to at some point wake up and say, do I really want to do that? Do I want to perpetuate that kind of conversation with children? Do I want them to think they are less than me? Or do I want to be their support system and their guidance? Again, very different than being a friend. We're still the parent, but that we want to give them a sense of, we want to help them keep their sense of worth. And so anyway. Yeah, exactly. And you know, I say uh, one of the, one of the, the main detractions i would say that i that i read in response to it was that was people who responded with the sense that this meant that um that that i was trying to say that people should not correct their kids or that we should just let kids be treated in in every way as an adult and you know the argument was you know they're not mature enough to be treated like adults in that way and i and i certainly wouldn't say that that that's the case. That's that's you know I I I ask my kids to eat their vegetables, and I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't ask that of an adult that comes to visit, <laughs> you know. Exactly. But uh, but it's, I I was thinking certainly more of just the tone and just a general level of 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 respect. Oh, sorry, Todd. And I well, I sense. just know that uh, Kathy is because I, I I tend to go to extreme examples, and Kathy, I think it drives you a little crazy because mm-hmm. will, uh, you'll say something, I'll say, well, what about this? And life is not on the fringe. Life is usually somewhere in the middle. So I can completely appreciate, um, not appreciate, but it's not surprising to me that you got some people commenting negatively, saying, you know, Ben, I don't agree with you, and this is why. Obviously, there's extreme examples where. It might not be the most, you know. You- well, the example we always use is if your kid is running into the street and there's a car coming, you yell, get out of the street, you know, or, you know, we talk about giving kids freedom. Well, if a kid is still learning to cross the street, of course you hold their hand. But that, but I think what parents don't understand is those kind of extreme stressful examples don't apply constantly in every situation. And that we are not, and again, the whatever you heard from your blog like that, Todd and I hear that a lot about this show where people People will say, well, I'm not just going to let my kid do anything and I'm not just going to let them say anything. And in no way are you saying this in your blog or do we try and say this on the show? What we're saying is if you want children to learn 
respect and understand how to treat others respectfully. We have to show them that, not just by the way we treat other adults, but by the way we talk with them. I actually just ran into someone today who was saying, oh, my kids yell at me all the time. I can't believe how much yelling there is in my house. And, you know, there was some comment about, well, maybe, you know, talk to them about the yelling or maybe don't you yell, you know, don't yell for a day. And she was like, I don't think I can do that. I don't think I can not yell for a day. So we're kind of, we're role modeling for our children how to interact not only with us, but with other people. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and the other thing I love about your blog is you're very real and that's something. And what I mean by that is you call yourself out. You're like, I probably did this yesterday. I just don't remember it because I, I do it probably more frequently than I should. And you're, you're calling all of us out, including yourself, saying just because they're your kids doesn't mean that you have the right or the permission to speak to them without respect. Yeah, and that's yeah, that's certainly it, it's certainly not something that I would feel I was able to call only other people out on because right. it's 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 definitely something that I I am I notice in myself more often than I'd like. So Ben, I have two more questions for you, and then we're gonna we're gonna be close it out. Uh, first one is um, I just watched Goodwill Hunting, and I wonder where your Boston accent is. <laughs> <laughs> well, we only moved to Boston this last summer. I, I'm actually originally from Tennessee. There you go. But and so now you probably want to know where my Tennessee yeah, accent is. Yeah, where's the draw? <laughs> well, my 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 mom was raised in Miami, and my dad was a Navy brat, so. Gotcha. So they neither of them had a very strong Southern accent either. Well, I have a question about that then. Okay, so I, you know, being from Chicago, I think I don't have an accent. So does everyone who who has kind of a mix or no accent, do they sound Midwestern? Does Do people in the Midwest have an accent? Ben, can you tell? Yes. Oh, you can. People, people, there, there's sort of an, I've noticed sort of a neutral accent, but there's also definitely a, a specific Midwestern accent. At least, at least there's a... Well, I say that there's at least a Wisconsin accent. Oh, there's Wisconsin. definitely a Wisconsin yeah, accent yeah. about. Uh, but you ha- you use it every, every time you say Chicago, you say Chicago. <laughs> it's just funny because him t- speaking with Ben right now, listening to his voice, I would think he was from the Midwest because I feel like I sound like him. Right, but, but you, there's a few words that you use that, okay. that are, are obviously Chicago accents. Chicago. Okay, like we would say, like instead of say sausage, you say sausage. Do I say it like well, that? Well, you don't say the word sausage because you're a vegetarian. Okay, but if you did, but if I was going to say it, then you would say sausage. <laughs> okay. Well, okay, go on. Um, and then the other question I have for you, Ben, is how do our listeners um, learn more about you? What's the, what's your website or whatever? Oh well, my personal blog is at afamilyinthecity.com. And how long have you been blogging for? A uh, couple months. Are all your blogs this good? Because I might have to go back. <laughs> uh, well, you're welcome to, to read them and, and tell me if you like them. <laughs> I like that. I like the way you, you said that. All right, Ben. Well, we appreciate you taking your time out of your day. So let's say it one more time. A family in the city.com. Yep. All right. A, a com. Got it. Ben, Got thank it. you very much. Thanks, all Ben. Right, thank you. Have a great day. All right. This interview is brought to you by Tree of Life, Tree of Life Chiropractic Care. Give them a call, 630-941-8733. They are a family chiropractor. They're located in western suburbs of Chicago. Uh, their number is 630-941-8733. So support us by supporting our partners. Avid Company, painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area, 630-956-1800. So hopefully you enjoyed that interview. Okay. Um, as far as uh, our show goes, please um, like us on Facebook. What do we – oh, I want to do Tournament of Bad real quick. Yeah, go ahead. Tournament of Bad. I love this because I got a bunch. Which one am I going to do? Um, pizza. Okay. I love pizza, but – 
what I don't like is when I go to a fancy Italian place and they have pizzas, they're always not as good. Help me understand why pizza at fancy Italian places are not as good as regular pizza you'd get from a pizzeria. Because it's called white pizza. Why do they make it bad? They don't make it bad. What they're doing is they're putting they're doing uh, dough and then they're putting cheese on it and maybe some oregano, but it's not a sauce pizza. So don't mess with pizza. Pizza is bread and yummy tomato sauce and a lot of cheese and toppings. No, that's your definition of pizza, and there are many different ways to define pizza. But the most important person's definition is right here. No. Yours truly. What you can say is, this is the way I like my pizza, but you can't blame the restaurants or other people for making white pizza. And this might be a little outdated, but uh, Nelson Mandela died, and he was not the cover story on People Magazine. Yeah, you and I were both challenged by that. He should have been. And, you know, it was lovely. The cover story was about... um, uh, this couple, little people, and they have a show, I guess, mm-hmm. and she was struggling with cancer. And it, it was a significant right. story. But Todd and I thought, this is really a big deal, this Nelson Mandela thing. Yeah, it should be I mean, shouted from the mouth. Yeah, I was confused by little, that. He had a he little, little corner in the, in the side. upper right hand. Yeah. Well, and, you know, they obviously have their reasons, but. Um, so we have a new website. Yeah. And check that out. Please. Please do. And uh, we also have... Uh, and lo- it's still zenparentingradio.com. When Todd says we have a new website, it just means it's been redone. And the other thing is we are affiliate partners with Amazon. So if you happen to shop on amazon.com, do me and Kathy a solid and go to our site first because... Um, we will collect a commission, and with that commission, we're going to put it into our BU project. And when Todd says go to our site, if you go to our website at the bottom corner right, lower right hand side, it says Amazon. And if you go in, if you go from there, then they recognize that that came through Zen Parenting, and then, like Todd said, we get a kickback. No more money off. It's yeah. you don't lose any money. Right. Amazon pays us, and that money will go toward, like Todd said, BU and Zen Parenting um, opportunities. So you know, we're looking for new ways, innovative ways to make sure that we can make BU bigger, mm-hmm. that we can grow Zen Parenting, because um, majority of the time it's out of our own pocket and yes. we can't survive that way. So yes. um, we are, so thank you. Yeah, so that would that. be awesome. Um, and then what else do we have? What else we want to promote? New website, adventure retreat. I'm doing an adventure retreat for men on February, February 28th through March 2nd. If uh, you're a man and you're interested, uh, shoot me an email at comments at zenparentingradio.com and I'll get you the information. And uh, one more thing about Girl Rising on January 21st. As we already said, we the movie got greenlit, meaning we had enough people reserve their seats where the movie is going to, it's coming January 21st to AMC Theaters in Lombard. So if you live in the Chicago western suburbs, um, you know, if you already bought a ticket, it's going to happen. And number two, if you haven't bought a ticket, I think there's still like 20 left, meaning they opened up, uh, they put us into a bigger um, what's it called? A bigger theater. Theater. Thank you. You're welcome. And so they opened up a few more tickets. So if you want them, go get them because I think they're gonna be gone. And just thanks, man. Thanks for listening to the show. And you know what? If you're listening to this on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, like who's gonna listen to this on Christmas Eve? Oh. Merry Christmas. You never know. People have different things that they do. Feliz Navidad. And we really appreciate you. And we love doing this show. We do. And if you listen. Um, Thank you. And it, when you send us notes, thank you. And this is not work for Todd and I. This is what we'd be doing without a microphone in front of That's us. Right. So thank you for listening. We love you. Love you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.